This is the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. This is Season 5, Episode 9. Today I'm going to be talking to Anne Porer, whose book, The Body Joyful, My Journey from Self-Loving to Self-Acceptance, is out now. And I really had a great time talking to Anne. You know, we had a very, uh, I found, um, important conversation, and I was so wrapped up in it I forgot I was really interviewing anybody. I felt like more like I was having a very serious conversation with a friend and it's I think it's just wonderful when we can connect to an author like that and I think you'll find that this is the case with uh, Anne's writing as well I think you'll find it very uh, engaging and something that you can feel like you can identify with if uh, you know this topic is one that is dear to your heart and it's dear to many people's uh, you know, hearts. And I think that it's something that many people can identify with. So without further ado, I want to get right to the interview, but um, I'm really glad I got a chance to talk to Anne. uh, And I hope I get a chance to talk to her again someday, maybe on a panel or something. So here we go to my interview with Anne Porer, author of The Body Joyful, My Journey from Self-Loathing to Self-Acceptance. Welcome to the Well Seasoned Librarian Podcast. Today, I am very happy to have on my podcast, Anne Porer, who is the author of Body Joyful, My Journey from Self-Loathing to Self-Acceptance. Anne, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have a conversation with you about this book and about food. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to you. I wanted to ask you if you could just give our listeners who are not familiar with your work just a brief bio on you. Sure. Uh, well, I spent a lot of years in fitness and in you know fitness training, personal training, group exercise. Uh, that's what I went to school for. But I had a very disordered relationship with both food and my body through that whole time. And over the past five or six years now, I have to keep counting up. I think uh, I've really shifted the relationship that I have with my both my body and with food. And so this book is really that journey in a nutshell. Um, it's kind of a memoir, but it's also a little bit of a self a self help book because I am not the only person that struggles with food and body. You know, there's so many people that do in our society is is you know riddled with that right now. So. Um, that's a little bit of a story on, on me and um, a little bit of my bio. Now, you founded Shaping Perspective, A Woman's Way to Joy. Can we talk about that a bit and tell me how that started? Sure. It was really uh, when I kind of went through a, a transformation in my own, my own journey of my own self-talk. And I knew that I was in this destructive relationship. So it was kind of this aha moment where I really needed to shift the way I was doing everything because fitness, although it was great for the time, really wasn't um, serving me well. It was actually more destructive than it was helpful for my own self. And so I went back to school and got an eating disorder uh, certification, became an intuitive eating counselor. And with that shift and starting to work with women around seeing themselves differently, that's how the term shaping perspectives came, you know, like we're really trying to shape and shift our perspectives of not only ourselves, but of food and of exercise and of self-care and our bodies. So that's where that 
originated and started. And I mostly work with women, although I have worked with um, some men in, as well. It's just, um, that's kind of the genre that I migrated to. Now, do you, th do you think like in our society, we, you know, we make a lot of lip service to acceptance and I see, I see even now commercials to where there's all this talk about us acceptance and we have, we pay a lot of lip service. Do you think that we're really changing as a society or do you think it's pretty much the same old thing? Well, I think that's a really great question because I do believe I see some change. I am also looking for change, right? So I'm looking for more of um, intuitive eating kind of uh, speaking, releasing some of the diets. You know, I, I hear a lot of, we talk about a diet that was really came about in the 70s and 80s or more and more pronounced. And now people are shifting to lifestyle. So I think that there's a little play on words. I think there are some things that are really great lifestyle changes, but a lot of um, restrictive plans are still they're really still diets, although they're changing the way that they explain them. And this is kind of, you know, this acceptance of self, but also acceptance of foods and realizing that diets don't work and how can we actually continue that um, education for the public. So society is, is getting there, but they're also fighting, a, uh, you know, a $75 million a year industry in the, in diet culture and, and, that's you know based in food in our relationship with food and so it, it's connected to self-acceptance in the way that if i don't feel good in my body the the really the only way that we think about to do to shift is to change the way we eat and that becomes a search for some sort of restrictive diet plan so I believe there's some shifting in this whole diet industry, but it's very, very minimal compared to the strength, especially this time of year as a, in, in a, the beginning of a year or in the beginner, the beginning of a summer, those are two times where the diet industry really kicks up and you see so many ads on TV everywhere you, you look is changing your body and not accepting yourself. So I don't know if that answered that question, but uh, kind of a long answer, I guess. No, it's a great answer. And I, I just, I was, I'm wondering like what your perspective on this is. Cause like, and please, I really want to be clear that I'm not saying that men have it the same or even equal to women at all, but I, I've noticed that like it's changing for men too. I recently, um, my son and I are both heavy and we both have had issues. You know, we've always had lifelong issues with, with our weight, you know, and I noticed that recently um, it's harder and harder for us to find clothing. Whereas for men, it used to never be hard to find clothing. I, I'm old enough to remember when it was always really easy compared to women. women I, I know women have always had issues with being able to buying clothing that fits, especially if you're, if you're plus size or larger, it's really hard, almost impossible in some aspects. And for men, I've noticed like it used to never be hard to buy clothing, but now it's like when I go, if I like something at the store, I, I almost always can't get it because it's always slim fit. Everything's slim fit now. And I remember recently being at a work event and I sat at a table where I was the only person who was out of shape and everybody else was like really toned and talking about 
they're all aggressively talking about sports and like keto and all this stuff and it was really very much like i felt like the odd man out i was the only one eating any food everybody else is just picking at salads and it was like i was like i think this is kind of a new thing for men to experience i don't think it was always something we've encountered do you think that you're hearing that anything's changing for men now i absolutely agree with what you're saying um two twofold for men um there's something called the adonis complex that it just wasn't as loud as it is now. And I do believe that social media has something to do with that because now it's prevalent. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> it's out in the world more often now. So it's, you can't really get away from it for men as well as women. So men in you know high school and, and even younger are comparing themselves to other men because that's they're seeing themselves almost all day long on Zoom or there's uh, competitiveness in sports. So I definitely see an increase in this. Um, I guess it's really looking at the body differently and, I, and it must be trickling down to clothing as well. And the other part of that, what you were just saying, which I find extremely interesting and it's always been around is this conversation around food and diets and eating and exercise that happens in these different types of places whether it's a work event or a group getting together for coffee or tea or a family gathering you see it everywhere and all of a sudden people are saying oh if have you lost weight is that the first thing that we see about people have you lost weight? Or there's a, a different kind of um, feeling going into a particular event due to how we feel in our bodies. <laughs> I, I remember um, years ago, I saw a movie called Home for the Holidays. And it, it was a comedy with Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., etc. There's a wonderful character actress, Cynthia Stevenson. And I know she played a character that was seen of as very uptight. But her character showed a, a, an amazing vulnerability. I remember they went to her house and she was exercising and she broke down and cried. And this is the only time I like myself. And it was played up for comedy, but like her daughter was mimicking her. And I thought it seemed like a really ham-handed way to address an issue that I thought was like, there's this enforcing thing to like, we all have to work out. We have to be going to the gym not that we shouldn't be, but like there's this almost enforced thing where if you're not going to the gym, if you're not working out, you're a loser. And if you are, you're, you know, you're hipping with it. Everybody like talks about gym time now. It's almost like enforced in a way. Like if you're not going to the gym, you're kind of not part of like the collective society. Like if you're not carrying that water bottle and have a gym mat under your arm, you're kind of left out as a cold. Do you think that's applicable at all? Or am I going too much off base? <laughs> no, you're completely right on base. I think you're you're right on. That's that's everything that I talk about because it becomes uh, the the right way. It's almost like fitting in. If you want to fit in, you have to work out and you have to um, do particular types of workouts. Right? There are certain things that kind of come into the mainstream. Yeah. And that's the in thing. Just like with diets, you know, all the different. There are certain particular ways of eating which are very popular now yeah but that yeah they spin in and they spin out and um the fact of the of the matter remains if we can't sustain something 
is it long-term and is it a lifestyle? Whether we take food out of a diet or not eat particular foods, or we make ourselves uh, work out a certain amount for a certain amount of time doing a certain thing that we hate, that's not um, a recipe for success and sustainability. You know, it's all about, let's, let's find foods and movements and things that we like to do that we are more apt to do, which makes them more sustainable. And then really starting to tune into the body. And that's what all the work that I, that I do with relationship with food and with our bodies is all about tuning more into us. You know, what does hunger feel like? What does fullness feel like? When am I satisfied with what I eat? When am I not satisfied? So those are all really great questions. And we've been completely disconnected with our natural hunger and fullness cues and our natural way of uh, enjoying food. You know, it becomes almost less enjoyable because it's either right or wrong instead of what's the, what about the flavor? What about the tastes? What about all the seasonings that I, that I can taste? How does it feel in my body? Is it giving me energy? Does it make me feel bloated? Like what are the, what are those kind of things? That's really what, you know, the connecting of food and movement and our bodies and how can we connect more there versus what we're told we're supposed to do. So. I've seen throughout my life, different trends. I remember back when I was a kid, a lot of people were taking pills and to, to curb their weight. And then it went to on to other things over the years. Now I'm seeing things like apps without naming names. I'm seeing all these apps now to help you uh, control your weight, seeing teas, uh, medicines, surgeries. I mean, there's a laundry list of things that, that we can do, but it's it seems like it's always to me like, I had a friend that um, she worked in bariatric medicine and she used to kind of sadly shake her head because she said that she would see people come in and get bariatric surgery. And I'm not, I'm not an expert on bariatric surgery. I know nothing about this. This is just one person's POV. I'm not, I'm not an expert. So please, nobody who's listening, you know, email me later, shooting me out. I'm just saying this is just one perspective. But she said that um, a lot of the people that she saw come into it they would lose the weight and then, then they would go on to another problem, usually substance abuse or alcohol abuse or something, some kind of issue that would take its place. And she said that, you know, that they, they actually requested that people take psychological evaluation and have a multidisciplinary approach, but often that was avoided at the person's peril. I'm not saying that's the rule of everything, but often, do you think that we're always looking for a quick fix, but we're not really addressing the issue that's causing maybe the problem or not causing the problem, but attributing, or just maybe we're missing the boat in some way by looking for these magical quick fixes. Yeah, absolutely. And I do believe it becomes that relationship with, you know, what does um, food mean to you? And, and is it an emotional fix? Is it to pull us out of an emotion? Because we know that eating a food lights up the brain centers, you know, certain particular foods light up the brain centers. So it's kind of a, it gives you a dopamine effect. We know that that's a physiological effect of certain types of foods. So if I'm feeling angry or if I'm feeling stressed or lonely or sad, why wouldn't I turn to food? because it will help me feel better in the moment and I don't wanna feel sad anymore or I don't wanna feel this feeling anymore. So there's a lot of the, you know, how can we dive underneath this 
quick fix to find out what's the real cause of why a person wants to lose weight or wants to change their body. That's really the, the bigger picture is what's causing someone to feel like they have to change their body in order to whatever, in order yeah. to be accepted, in order to um, wear a dress, in order, in order to go to the beach, you know, right. any of those things. So um, it's a really good point. And um, the, I do know that they are requiring more extensive psychological panels on people heading into those kind of surgeries and they're needed there there needs to be what's really the why behind wanting to to take a pill or to go on a diet or to use an app or have surgery yeah i know because like i often struggle with binge eating and i know that when it's the the, oftentimes it's not because i'm physically hungry but it's it's due to an emotional thing and I think that people often just think it's, it's easily like, oh, just stop eating, you know, blah, blah, blah. They, they always like go on a diet. There was people, people who aren't going through it. They have a quick fix, but, you know, I think it's much larger than just eating. It's, 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 it's an emotional issue and it deals for me. And I think for many people, I think it's an emotional issue and it's a way I, I've struggled with alcohol with many things, but for me, all that's easy to like, that's an easy fix for me. But the struggle with like binge eating is, I think, the toughest thing of anything. For me, it, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to go for her, like to fight heroin or something like that. But like, for me, it's really a palpable struggle, you know, and I think for a lot of people it is. I've, I know I've had a lot of friends who still struggle with it. And it, it's really, you know, an issue, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And it is the underlying pieces of that where is that you know what are the emotional triggers what's going on and that's you know that's the work that i do is is let's let's not um label it as anything a lot of times binge eating occurs because we're not feeding the body yeah right so um it, it comes from all kinds of different there's some physical there's some emotional there's some social you know, and spiritual, there are all kinds of reasons for turning to food. And what we want to do is look, look at that differently um, and see how we can kind of peel back the layers of, of what food is doing for you and what is it covering up and, and how can we actually continue to, to be able to eat food? Because that's what we, we have to eat food and enjoy food and not, um, limit foods and also feel like, um, I, I, I want to even tentatively use the word healthy, but we can be healthy in all kinds of size bodies. It's society that, that, you know, that shows us, oh, you should, you know, especially even if you go to the doctor, it's the same thing. You know, they use a BMI chart, which the research on that is, we know that that was never designed to, to measure health. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, I'd say just a bogus measure, right? It, it, we can't be using that for, for somebody's health. I remember I had a friend in the military who was, I mean, the guy obviously wasn't overweight, but because he was really tall, he, he wasn't fitting the BMI chart. And I think I've heard many people say that they've had people classify them as overweight when they obviously aren't. And it's, I, I think, I, I think the cha- there must be something wrong with the chart. And I think I'm not, I'm not surprised, you know, we're still going by that when obviously we all have different body types and we can't just like have it be one size fits all for everything. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a, a great, um, Lindo Bacon 
has a, uh, a short YouTube in, in 1995, the BMI chart actually flipped. Everybody who woke up overnight became a category higher due to some pharmaceutical stuff, right? Oh my God. Um, some studies funded by some pharmaceuticals that shifted the BMI. So all of a sudden, if you were in the overweight category, you're now in the obese category and, and right up the spectrum. And so how can we tune out? I mean, that's, I always focus on, you know, what is healthy to you? Number one, what does it mean for you to feel healthy? And then what are health behaviors? Those are the things that we can work on. It has, it really doesn't have anything to do with all of this other, um, all of our, our thoughts and feelings on how we should be, how we should look. And yet, yet we're up against that fight on a daily basis when it comes to, you know, even going to the doctor. So I, and yeah. I, and a lot of people real don't realize that they have the, um, the right to refuse getting weighed. And I haven't been weighed in, in a really long time. When I go to a doctor, I just say, nope, I'm not getting weighed. And they go, okay. They're, I mean, it's much better now than it used to be. Now they, they will respect that. They didn't used to respect that. But sometimes a, a weight on a scale, a number on a scale can really trigger someone into a, either, a, either a binging period of time or a restricting period of time, either way. And it can, it can damage their psyche for, for days, for weeks, for months you know, and even for years. So why is that? And that's, that's what this, this book is my journey through all of, all of that, you know, it's this, this starting with an eating disorder as a teen and moving into just disordered behaviors right through most of my life until finally saying, eh, this, there's got to be another way and questioning the beliefs that society has for bodies and for food and saying, I am choosing to live my life a different way. And that's the bigger, you know, that's the big thing right there. I mean, when we, when the doctor starts using words like obese and they say things like that, it's hard to like shake that off. Like mm -hmm. when I walk out of the doctor's visit and he said, well, you're obese. And he, they even, I've even had not all doctors have great bedside manner. And some of them are like, well, what'd you expect having health issues if you're obese, you know? And it's like, you, you also feel, I mean, cause I I've often felt like, well, I do deserve it. You know, I'm a bad person cause I'm obese. So I, I shouldn't expect anything else. Right. And so it, it's hard. Cause like when I go to get weighed and I think, well, I probably lost a few pounds and then you find out you gained 10, you're like, it's, it just hits you. It's like, fuck, why do I even bother? <laughs> right. Right. No, I, I know. I know. Absolutely. And it can, it can really derail um, things that we're, we feel like we're doing that are, are good for our health. Yeah. You know, we could actually stop doing them because, you know, a doctor says this or a scale says that, like, it's really starting to, how about me? You know, we all know, and I, and I, we all know people who, who are, and I use the term smaller bodies and larger bodies, like that's kind of, those are the terms that I use in smaller bodies who are very unhealthy, yeah. <laughs> very unhealthy. And one people that are in smaller bodies that are healthy. And we also know the opposite. We know that there are people in larger bodies that are, that are healthy, Yeah, you know, and, and ones that are unhealthy. And so how can we see bodies differently? We're 
we are supposed to be different sizes. We do have different life experiences and different genes. You know, no one's the same. We don't, and not, nobody in the world has the same gene pool with the same experiences, with the same, you know, thoughts and processes around all of, all of these things, um, especially experiences that I think that the next generation is growing up with, with social media, just always being in your face around, especially bodies um, for a lot of the younger kids. And well, I mean, do you think that we're, we're living in a time where there's almost this enforced selfie at gunpoint thing that kids have to do with social media and there's so much cyber bullying and people being mean to each other on, on social media and just in general, even in school. I mean, I've heard so many tales of parents telling me about how young grade school kids are being shamed because of their body. And I feel like because there's so much observance on social media and people have this, like, I think every girl's got to feel like she's got to do that selfie where she's got to hold her body in a certain position, look best for the camera, do the duck face and take that picture. Otherwise they're not going to be, they're not going to be acceptable by society's mm-hmm. standards. And I mean, I know it's always been bad for women. Is it worse now because of social media? Has that made everything much more horrible? It's just, it's just more in, it's more on a daily basis. It's more, um, I call it in your face. It's yeah. because you, you, it's really hard to get away from it, especially with, with younger kids in their phones and being part of accepted and wanting to fit in is, is natural. They want to be long. I mean, it's a yeah. natural instinct for all of us. And yet, why can't we actually change the way bodies are seen. And that's, that's my bigger, you know, this is how can we like reduce bullying and, and body shaming and weight stigmatization, because those are the real um, drivers of a lot of the disordered behavior and eating disorders and binge eating and um, all of it, like the disruption of our enjoyment that food actually has to offer us if we allow it to be part of part of our days and part of our lives, not all of our days and all of our lives. You know, I, I know for me, 95 to 98% of my time was thinking in my head about food, you know, calories and what's right and what's wrong and how many did I eat today and what am I going to do tomorrow? And, you know, oh, I need to do this or this with working out in order to, you know, burn or all of those, all of those thoughts. And when you're when you're absorbed with all of that thought, you can't be present with, yeah. with life. You know, I, I missed a lot of my daughter's growing up time because I was in my head, you know, spinning with yeah. all of that. So um, it's, it's a, it's a big topic. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. We could un- probably have like five or six or more episodes on this, this topic alone. God, maybe we will, maybe mm. we can definitely have you back. Um, I would love to have panels on this too. Um, oh, I would love that too. It's it's a really, because it, there's so many different opinions, right? Yeah. So much is out there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Now you, you're also, you created the Body Joyful Solution and you're a leader of the Body Joyful Revolution community. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, the Body Joyful Revolution is uh, a community of right now it's a private community on Facebook and it is, we're changing the conversation around food and weight and body. That's what that's about. It is really, um, my goal is, can we create role models who look in the mirror and see themselves differently so that when their kids see them looking in the mirror, they're not um, beating themselves up, right? They're not pinching or have a pile of clothes on the floor or, you know, talking mean to themselves or eating something different for dinner because they're on a particular plan than their children. Like if, if we can create role models in a different way for our, for our kids, that can, I think that can help shift the way the kids see themselves too, right? Because they just take in everything that we do. And so if they're seeing particular behaviors, whether it's a teacher, a coach, a parent, um, a librarian, right? Right. Who sees and is in, in that kind of a field where they are um, role models to children. How can that particular role, uh, role model be, um, see themselves differently and yeah. be, be part of a different conversation, not jumping into the conversation about um, whatever the diet plan is, you know, that the teachers are talking about or that the, the students are even talking about. How can we yeah. step away from that conversation and actually kind of push against it or even just not engage either way? It, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't fuel it. And that's so that's what the Body Joyful Revolution is. And um, the book, The Body Joyful, my my journey is really I took all of the different things that I experimented with because some things don't work, right? And everybody's different and all the things that really worked for me to heal my relationship with food, with exercise um, and with my body. And that's that's what I coach and that's what I teach. And it's a lot of self-discovery. It's a lot of diving into, you know, our old beliefs and our patterns and and how we've used food for you know, actually, I think sometimes food has saved us in a lot of different um, places in our life in the past. And now, you know, it's, it's, it was helpful then it's not helpful now. And how can we just change the relationship around that? So that's what, um, those are the things that I kind of am, am doing with the body joyful has become kind of this mission that I'm on, because I feel now much more joy in my body. And I, I eat, all foods are on the table, right? Everything is on the table and I treat myself kinder. So those are all parts of this, you know, learning how to do that for ourselves. I wanted to ask about um, your book, The Body Joyful, My Journey from Self-Loathing to Self-Acceptance. I know that you've worked with the Body Joyful Solution and the Body Joyful Revolution, but what, what, brought you to the point where you wanted to do the book. And I also want to ask the follow-up questions. Was it easy to do this book with publishers? Like, did you find the right publisher that understood where you're coming from? Or did you have to like, did you have to kind of explain the book to them and kind of, did, did you get a lot of pushback to do popular things or what was the, what was it like with your journey to getting the book published? 
those are um, really great questions. And the, the book itself was a healing, it was a healing journey for me. It really mm-hmm. helped heal because I went back in time and I was able to see kind of my life from a distance and uh, I guess validate my choices and decisions, you know, due to what, what I was thinking and assuming about whatever was happening around me. Um, so the, the writing of the book, it started uh, just with some blogging and some self-discovery and then realizing that I kind of had something to say. I went to a writing workshop and, and read a couple of just, you know, little prompts that, that the instructor had given and realized I had some things that I really wanted to share and say, and that prompted me to write the book. Um, it did, it was very healing for me. The other question about publishing, it's such, I did get some, some pushback. Uh, the reason I got published is I, I entered a contest. So I entered a, a you know, a pitch contest right. to get the book, you know, to get the book pitched. And so it, it um, so the book was, they did ask to publish the book, um, but the original title that they really wanted was my journey from self-loathing to self-love. And I, because it, it sounds good, but I, I was trying to get them to understand that love of your body is a really far, it's almost unfathomable for people right. who don't like their body or hate their body or loathe their body. So right. this, I, I really wanted them to understand that. Um, and I have gotten such amazing feedback from the book, from men and women about about it just, it's not, you know, I'm not alone. They're not alone. These feelings and thoughts have really contributed to certain behaviors. And so it's, it's a very, I'm just getting some such great feedback for people reading the book and seeing something different. We did a, um, which I love about, about your show. We did kind of a promotion, you know, buy a book, donate a book to your public library, because Mm -hmm. I think it's so, we just want the word out. Yeah. You know, the more that we can get um, uh, something different out there other than diet books and showing that there are other ways and different, different ways to see food, that it doesn't have to be um, this enemy that we've kind of, a lot of people have made it out to be you know, certain foods like a cake or a cookie or, you know, some of those foods that are delicious. And yet, you know, they've been, they have a, a real negative connotation. And if you eat them, you can, people can look at you and, oh, they shouldn't be eating that. Or there's all these kind of thoughts and assumptions around foods. And th- that's why we, you know, when I say we, um, you know, this Body Joyful Company, it's my husband and I, and we are pushing this to get into the world so that it's different. So it's something different. We hear something different. Well, librarians have a, you know, it's hard for us because we want to get books in that are worthwhile, but we don't want to get crap books in, but we have to be careful. We kind of have to let everything in. When you, we have a book like yours, it's, it's wonderful because we can get something good on and we could suggest it, but oftentimes they're, you know, in the stacks with other things that we kind of have to put out. I mean, it could be something by some, I won't name any names, but there's a lot of fake doctors out there that, or TV personalities that, again, won't name that are, you know, they could be a psychologist, but they're, I mean, nothing wrong with that. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? That they're, they're trying to like pass themselves off as a medical person. They may even wear scrubs, but they're not a doctor. And so 
but they're always like, I'm going to promote blah, blah, blah. And it's usually something attached with a very expensive uh, thing. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, we have to be very careful because we, we have to make sure that the right stuff's getting on there. But libraries can be great places for people because somebody may be just like wandering in to get themselves some kids books for their kids or, you know, a DVD or something. And they could pass, they, they could go, hey, do we have anything on and the, and the librarian can show them where there are books that really deal with some real issues like yours. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see libraries getting a copy of a book like yours because this could be a life-changing thing for somebody. They can just go Absolutely. get it for free, mm -hmm. check it out, yep. take it out for a couple months, you know, read it. If they like it, purchase it, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's really a kind of a great way to discover a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I do at the end of every chapter, I have what, what I call step back questions. Yeah. So people can dive in and, and really kind of do the work for themselves because we are all different and we all have had those different experiences. And that's, that's what forms our, our behaviors. And so it's such a great way of self-discovery, you know, and that's why we, we want to continue to promote it to be donated to libraries and um, get it out there to be seen. And I do anybody that I always say, if anybody um, can't get to a library or they don't have it, please ask for it. Number one, if not, then, then um, I'm open to share, uh, you know, a digital copy with people because if, if somebody can change their way of seeing themselves, it can make a great impact. And it's like a ripple effect, right? Once, once, I see myself differently. I carry myself differently. And it, it changes anybody who comes in contact with me sees a different person and it gives them permission to step into being a different person too, possibly. So um, I'm happy to share that with your, with your audience as well. So if somebody wants that, we can put that in the show notes or whatever, if you want. So is weight loss harder now um, or getting healthy harder now? Because it seems like dieting is so politicized because there's the keto, there's the um, paleo, there's no carb, there's extra carb, there's, I mean, it's just ridiculous the amount of types of diets out there now. And everybody's just like, we're ours is the true, you know, real deal. And it's dizzying because I have no idea. Like I, I talked to somebody recently that was like, you got to give up meat, you got to give up dairy, you got to give up carbs. And you know, eat a lot of uh, almond butter and pumpkin, and it's like, well, I mean, I'm sure that's probably better for me, but it doesn't sound very attractive. <laughs> I know, right? How long is that going to last, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that's, um, I do for me a lot of the understanding of the science around restriction in our brains and in our bodies. You know, the physiology of all of that, yeah. and really understanding that has helped me tremendously just see it all differently. And I, and I do believe there's some education that can be put out there. And there are some books that, that have some of the studies on that. And I share a few of them in, in the book my, in my, myself, because it helps to know that it's not your fault necessarily that a particular diet plan doesn't work for you that does work for somebody else because our bodies are different. So certain particular food plans are going to work for some people, but that doesn't mean they'll work for you, but they will believe that it should work for everyone because it right. works for them. <laughs> so um, it's really starting to, that's why it's for me and the people that I work with, it's all about let's, let's work on 
you and your body and what works with your body, what foods feel good, what foods taste good and what foods um, work well in your body, nobody else's body, just yours. And then go from there, you know, and understand why eating particular ways might not work for, for every, every person. It's, it's just, it is, it's dizzying out there. There's, and there's very contraindicated to <laughs> each other even. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, yeah, <laughs> that's such a big question, right? There's so many out there and you can go to the diet, diet or weight loss department in, uh, you know, in a li- whether it's a library or a store or anywhere. And it's just huge yeah. because it's been around since the sixties, really, you know, seventies and eighties, big, big push on diets. And I, I find it very fascinating in that the more dieting books there are, the higher the actual weight of of Americans has, has gone up, right? So yeah. as diets go up, so as the weight, weight of people. And so is there a correlation there, <laughs> you know, to really start to think about? So why, if we have all these diets and we keep getting more and more and more, are people still getting bigger, bigger, bigger? And that's because they don't, they don't work. You go on, you might lose some weight. As soon as you stop, 95% of people gain the weight back. Yeah. And even, even there's a high percentage, I want to say it's 66 or 68% gain more. And so it's no wonder. So how do we, you know, how do we get that word out there for people to know and to understand and to, and to say, well, maybe there's another way, maybe this isn't the right path for me. And that's, that's what this kind of, you'll hear a little bit more about it. I think these days is the intuitive eating movement. But people have co you know, have taken that, I don't know what the right word, but have taken that and changed it into a diet too. So it makes it, makes it hard. It just makes it hard, this whole body food yeah. <laughs> weight piece, right? Like you said, we could talk forever because there's so much to it. Yeah. I mean, it's just on this program, I've dealt with so many people who wrote diet books and it's just, there's so much stuff out there and different opinions it's dizzying. And I'm just even scratching the surface. I mean, I can't imagine if you're looking at it comprehensively, it would be, it, it would almost make you give up because you'd be like, I don't, there's so much info and everybody's disagreeing. Mm-hmm. Nobody, I mean, you could get a room of people together. And if they're all in diets, they're all going to say, well, you're wrong. My diet's the better. It's, it has become like almost like a religion in many ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, and it, and it it's almost, um, I don't want to use this word, but it's almost cultish a little bit, right? Yeah. That they, you know, and, and even with exercise programs, you know, people get drawn in and, um, and it does work for some. Yeah. Right. It, it will. Um, but will it work for the majority? No, it, it won't. So. Um, that's... Now, I want to ask you about self-acceptance. Um, I know it's hard, like as I age, I, I, I no longer look how my mental image is and like, I'm happy as long as I'm looking like from like the tie knot above, like I'm okay. But like when I look at the full length mirror, I'm like, ah, I'm mortified. So I'm always kind of like, I'm having like when my wife takes pictures of us, you know, of the family and stuff, I'm always like, I see my pictures on social media and I'm like, 
I'm mortified. I'm like, cause I don't, that's not who I feel like I am. And I, I know that like, it's depressing for me because I'm like, I have, and the doctor's like, well, you should lose about 50 pounds. And I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> like, <laughs> that sounds pretty damn daunting to me. Like, I don't even know how long that would take, you know? Mm. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, I think that the self-acceptance piece, we, we are on this continuum and how can we see our bodies when we look in the mirror, it's so easy and we've programmed ourselves to look at all the things that we hate, right? And then right. negative self-talk kicks in, right? Um, which can actually lead to a binge. It can lead to all kinds of different behaviors, just, right. the, just the negative self-talk around that. And so body image lies on this continuum from this hate place to this you know, love place. And it's really far from one end to the other. And so part of what I talk about a lot is called body neutrality. And that's the space where I don't have to love it. And I don't have to buy into hating it. I can see my body as how can I look at my body as like a gift? It's the body that I get to experience my life in. I don't have to love it. I don't have to love every part of it. And I can also look at it and go, wow, my legs just carried me, you know, to the grocery store. I got all my groceries and, and got myself back home. So my legs did that and my arms carried the groceries in. And those are, those are actual, you know, places of gratitude for what our body does do for us. Right. And I was able to write that book or I was able to, to, sh to share my viewpoint on this, or I was able to impact that, that child or that friend with my compassion. Those are things that aren't seen. And those are the things that we want to try to focus on as we look at ourselves, see ourselves in this different perspective. You know, I, I once used this phrase, you know, is your perspective your prison or is it your power? And I, I believe that our perspective of ourselves can hold us in a prison, you know, yeah. kind of this prison in our heads. And can we open the door? And doors open all the time and we can step out of it. It's just changing, looking in the mirror and not um, automatically going to that voice inside saying, oh, I hate this and I hate that. And I, that's not me. I don't, you know, any of those pieces versus, wow, you know, my stomach digests all my food for me. You know, my, my, my arms do this, my fingers do this, my eyes do this. And always, you know, you can turn to your senses and think about what we can see and hear and smell and touch. And there's some such amazing things that our bodies do. And that's where we want to focus. That kind of pulls us into this neutral space around our bodies. And then we can slowly take steps up towards, you know, self-acceptance. It's kind of, you know, self-appreciation, self-acceptance, body acceptance, um, and, and slowly work our way up this, up this continuum and then find a, a resting space. You don't have to find a place where you're loving your body. You can find a place where you're accepting your body, you're respecting your body, and you're treating your body well. And we can hang there. That's you know, that works for me. So uh, that's why I didn't really want that word love in the title, because yeah. I think it's, we can all find our, our spot on this continuum and realizing that the hate piece, the self-hatred or this body hatred does not serve us. Right. It, it ends up, um, you know, that's where addictions happen that's where numbing happens. That's where we get kind of lost and lose ourselves and, and yeah. aren't able, you know, to, 
to make an impact that we that we would like to make in the world. I want to ask you, um, what is in the times you've done the Body Joyful Solution or the Body Joyful Revolution or your book, uh, the Body Joyful? What what has been some of the most gratifying um, feedback you've gotten from some of the people who've been part of it? Mm, um, I'll send people to look at the reviews on Amazon because there, there's some amazing things there. But um, one of one of my clients, and this is this was I remember getting chills when she said this to me because she said I finally realized I couldn't hate myself thin, and that changed everything for her she yeah. started to see herself differently treat herself differently and that she just like almost overnight she began to make different choices different decisions and they weren't right decisions wrong decisions healthy decisions unhealthy decisions they were just different decisions because they she saw herself differently and um so that's kind of one of those places where you go oh my gosh that has changed not only her life, but those around her. And then um, another woman that her relationships with her kids and her husband are that much better because she, number one, she can set boundaries for herself, but she also is able to see herself differently. And it's so interesting that that one, that one thing is sounds so easy, but takes work and is uncomfortable and is hard and it's so worth it but it takes it takes the breaking down of of those old patterns of hatred that i think so many people have over and over and over again so those it just it it blows me away that um people can read the book or they can you know have some conversations or jump into the revolution and see some videos and, and go oh i never even thought of it like that yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, what like those ahas that we get when we yeah. hear somebody inspiring or we hear somebody that that has a different opinion or has has done something different and you go, "Oh, well that makes complete sense." And that, you know, through my own work with a therapist and all, you know, I mean, I did all that work and I went back to school and I learned a lot and then I experimented and I wrote and I, you know, like I just tried to figure it out um, with the help of others, ask for help, and then um, had some background on some things and just kept learning, kept growing. And I, I continue to do that. I'm continuing to do that today, you know, learning more about my own thoughts and my own emotions and how to, you know, continue to work, work with them. So now, if you had to have say that you have one takeaway that you kind of or one thing you'd want somebody to take away from your book, what would it be? Like, just what, what, if you could have somebody take one thought away from your book, what, what, how, how would you want them to take that? I, I have two in my head. Okay, that's fine. Um, Two's fine. Yeah. One is the first one is your thoughts are not you, um, because I think that, that we think they are. Um, mm-hmm. And the other one is um, you have choice. You have choices. Um, in, in everything that you do, in the way you look in the mirror, in the, the way you look at food, and y- you can make choices for yourself. And it's not either or, there's lots of different choices. It's just questioning some of those beliefs. So that you, there's more power that you have than you think you have. If that makes any sense. 
you know, yeah. that perspective, that perspective, is it your prison or your power? I think you have choices around that perspective. Who are some of the um, authors that you like to read that could give you an inspiration? Mm, um, well, of course, some of the, the books, like the educational books, like Intuitive Eating and Health at Every Size, those are great books. Uh, I like to read all kinds of different books. Um, but some inspiring books would be um, Present Over Perfect with um, Shauna Nequist. She's, she's fascinating. Glennon Doyle's book Untamed is great. Um, so those are kind of books. Um, Mary Catherine Backstrom, her uh, Holy Hot Mess is an interesting book uh, because they're talking about, about um, shifting the way that they, their, their lives too. So they're going through being vulnerable, being open, sharing stories about how they've shifted the way they see themselves or shifted the way that they think. Um, the book that I just finished, which I love was um, Midnight Library because that's about regrets and uh, you know how to. So I just, I'm, I, I love to read, I love to learn um, some of the big names, of course, you know, like Glennon Doyle or Mel Robbins or um, you know, Tony Robbins was kind of people inspire me. Kyle Cease is in my book, Brene Brown, like, so all of those people, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, I dove into a lot of self-help kind of books for myself as I was on this journey. So, Ronya Brown has a, uh, a, a podcast now. It's really, really nice. Yes. She has a great podcast and she has that new book coming out with 87 emotions. Oh yeah. Atlas yeah. of the heart. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I was just recommended that I'm going to get that this next week. Yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to reading that. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. She's got some really, you know, just, she's got some different ideas yeah. and that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, she's a great podcaster. Her voice is different than I thought it would be because when you read somebody, you don't know what they're going to be like in their voice. And then you hear them, you're always, it's, it can be a pleasant surprise. And I love her voice on her podcast. I like the way she talks. She's very fun to listen to. Yes. Yes. And she has, um, she's got a great, great sense of humor. So yeah, <laughs> which is helpful too. Yeah. So what's next for you? Um, well, I'm writing still, so I'm enjoying the writing process. I think um, I really like at some point to write a children's book around this, around body image and around. Oh, yes, we need that. Very important. Yeah. Um, and right now I'm kind of diving more into emotions. So I've been writing about emotions and thought, our thoughts and emotions and those kind of how they are so molded together and how we can maybe shift the way we see them. Um, so I'm still, I'm in the midst of figuring out where I'm headed next. So I'm, I'm writing, I'm just not sure where I'm going. I have all kinds of ideas and, um, just trying to figure out what's my next. So right now I'm in that creative process. I'm just writing every day for the most part. And that's, then I'll figure it out as I go, trying not to, <laughs> um, make a choice on the book right away. So, but I do want to write, um, more books so well i'm sure you will the success of this one you'll do very well so thank you thank you and i really enjoy getting a chance to talk to you today thank you for being on our program i hope we can have you on again in some time and i, I really like the idea of a panel i think mm. we can let's talk further about that because i think we can develop something really good yeah i think that would be great thank you so much dean i appreciate i appreciate what you're doing and um you know just opening the doors for both food and books. I think they're both great, right? So yeah. in balance. <laughs> 
That was my delightful conversation with Ann Poor. I really enjoyed getting a chance to have um, some time to talk to her and kind of pick her brain about this topic. Um, her website uh, and her many um, groups that she organizes is on the biography as well as um, a link to her book on Amazon, The Body Joyful, My Journey from Self-Loathing to Self-Acceptance, which came out last year. Um, coming up on Friday is going to be Katerina Nitsu, whose book Macedonia, Macedonia came out sorry, last year, and it's just an incredible book, uh, lush and beautiful, which features the cuisine of Macedonia, and um, I think it's something you're going to want to look at. Uh, the, her husband did the photography for the book, and it's just uh, draw-dropping in many ways, um, just the artfulness of it and the design of it. And just the uh, gen- the general Moorishness of the recipes that you read in there are all things you could do at home, and just they're gorgeous. Um, I really love this cookbook. I highly recommend it. It's I think one of my favorite cookbooks of the last year, and I really love it. And I've already started cooking from it. So please do uh, come and listen to my conversation with Katarina Nitsu on Friday. Until then, um, I hope you guys have a good week and uh, keep on cooking. Thank you.